This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Burnside, Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is Up in the Rafters, where I'm joined by Carolina basketball legend and 2017 national champion, Justin Jackson. Justin, the biggest news this week regarding UNC basketball did not involve anything on the court. You already know what I'm talking about. It was on Theo Pinson's podcast with John Wall as the guest, and it was about Wall not coming to Carolina because of Tyler Hansborough, some kind of interaction they had out where he basically said, Hansborough told him, I don't I don't talk to recruits when Wall tried to go up and introduce himself. Hansborough has responded saying none of that was true. What's up with all this drama? Um, that's the tough thing about these podcasts, man. Is you might get the wrong the wrong guest. They might say the wrong thing. Um, but I I don't know. I I can't speak on what their actual interaction was. Um, I wasn't there. Um, obviously, we've got two sides of the story. John Wall saying one thing, T. Hands saying another. Um, I know T hands a little bit better, so I guess I would probably side with him a little bit more. Um, but that's the problem, man. Like this is kind of how things start circulating is one guy says something and nobody truly knows except for that guy, those two guys, if it's true or not. And then everybody starts watching it, kind of giving their own take. So I don't know, hopefully they can uh, come to some sort of a medium, you know, the one reason why I I tend to side with, uh, T hands is because he said like in his podcast that if he said that that's not something that would have flew with with Roy Williams and I kind of I kind of agree with that where it's like if Roy checks in with you know John Wall the next day and is like how'd your visit go and he heard that about T hands T hands is probably uh, running a lot or or some kind of punishment but that got me thinking who who's the biggest recruit that you were ever responsible for having on campus and did they commit to Carolina? Did they go somewhere else? You know, how, how was Justin Jackson, the recruiter? Um, I'm still kind of boring to this day, but in college I was really boring. So I didn't have very many. Um, I will say I had Tony Bradley as my, uh, I was okay. the host of Tony Bradley. So he came, obviously he was a big time recruit. Um, I can't fully remember actually my, my current teammate, Jalen Brown. He came on a visit and I want to say maybe I was his host. Um, but I also want to say, I think we kind of like split it up, um, me, Theo and Joel. So, um, he obviously ended up coming, but he was a big time recruit too, but I'll take Tony, um, as my one, uh, my one check mark. Were, were most of the recruits being funneled to, to Theo, I would imagine. <laughs> um, it just depends on what kind of, uh, you know, 
You kind of have to get a read. Yeah, you kind of have to get a read on their personality. Exactly. If, if you push Tell the me. wrong person at Theo, you know, they might exactly. never come back to Chapel Hill. <laughs> exactly. Theo was always considered the fun host. Um, you know, if you wanted to go out, if you wanted to, you know, do something, Theo was kind of that guy. Tony was kind of more to himself, like, you know, didn't want to do much. I think we might have played like video games or something. And, um, like gone to eat or something like that. So I was perfect for that role. Um, but if there was anybody that was, you know, a little bit more uh, outgoing, I guess I will say, uh, they kind of funneled them to to Joel and Theo. And then speaking of recruiting visits, Hubert Davis has been killing it on the recruiting trail. That 2024 class is currently number one after the number two overall player, shooting guard Ian Jackson committed earlier this week. I have to say, you know where he's from? You know, tell me that. I know you're going to tell me. Go ahead and tell me. You know, he's from New York. He's he's from the Bronx. He's from, uh, but why do you think Hubert Davis is having so much success out recruiting? Um, I mean, I think it's kind of, you know, a couple different things. Obviously, they just made it to the championship last year. Um, kind of showed that North Carolina, even though they've had their struggles, um, that they're still – contending for a championship um i think it's hard to still beat you know the brand of north carolina basketball um especially now with nil deals and all that kind of stuff that's going on but i think too coach davis is a um he's very much a player's coach um from the standpoint of uh he played in north carolina he played in the nba for a while he knows what it takes to get to that level which is what pretty much everybody that goes to North Carolina is trying to do is to get to, you know, the professional level. And so he knows what it kind of takes, what you need to do. Um, and coach Davis, is just a cool guy. Like when you sit down and you talk to coach Davis, even as a recruit, it's probably easy to talk to him. Um, you can talk about anything, life, family, basketball, school, whatever it is, you can just talk about those things really freely with him. So I think it's just kind of a mix of all of those, all of those things. Um, and obviously he's killing the game. So, you know, it, it's good to see. Yeah, the success on the court. Carolina is trying to build back to that this year. They played two games this past week, two games that we basically said Carolina had had to win. They went to Louisville. They won 80 to 59. And then they came back to Chapel Hill, beat Boston College 72 to 64. We give props to Armando Baycott a lot still think he he might deserve more when you have a guy who he comes back in the Louisville game and he goes right back to his old self where it seems like you can pencil him in for you know 15 20 points double digit rebounds how does that impact a team when you're getting that steadily of a contribution from from your best player yeah I mean it's it's crazy to think that we could possibly could just kind of be taking him for granted at this point because it's just normal for him to put up the numbers that he's putting up. Um, but I think for this team, it is it is something that kind of has to be normal. You know, like he has to put up almost 20 and 10 every game for them to be, um, you know, able to make the run that they want to make. Um, but like you said, I think all the credit and all of the uh, accolades and everybody talking about him is well warranted. Um, he's literally dominating college basketball at this point. Um, but I think it just makes it so much easier for guys around him. You know, like if if Mondo's not dominating in the paint, 
the spacing on the outside is not going to be as good for RJ and Caleb. We've talked about this multiple times, um, but even, you know, simple pick and roll actions with Mondo as a part of it, the defense has to make sure that he doesn't get behind them on a roll or they have to be able to shift in and come help, you know, whenever he gets the ball, you know, in those pockets. So then it just creates more space for shooters outside or people to be aggressive on the perimeter. So, I think it is uh, It is kind of crazy. It really does remind me, obviously, they're two totally different players, but it really reminds me of my sophomore year when, when Bryce was kind of running through college basketball. You know, it was like we just kind of – it was just normal, you know, as the season went on for him to put up crazy numbers like he was putting up. Um, but it made it so much easier for us, and I think Mondo's doing the same thing for this team. Yeah, his return from that ankle injury was the biggest storyline from the Louisville game. But I also thought it was worth mentioning from that game from the past weekend, DeMarco Dunn, he plays career-high 23 minutes, and he goes for a career-high in points, 14, and rebounds, 5. What do you kind of like about DeMarco Dunn's game off the bench for this UNC team? Um, I think, honestly, I, I feel like the Louisville game was kind of the first game where he uh, was given some true run, um, you know, being able to play kind of through a mistake or – you know, just continue to play a consistent role. Um, and I really liked what he gave this team. Um, I think defensively, it's a long kind of athletic um, guard that can get up and pressure the ball, um, kind of guard one through three, I would say. Um, uh, quick can can really cause some havoc on that end. Um, and then offensively, obviously, he hasn't really gotten a ton of opportunities throughout the season, but the opportunities he got in this game showed that, okay, he can possibly be a decent, you know, outside threat for us. Um, like I said, he's long athletic. He can get to the basket if he needs to get out in transition. Um, he got a few offensive rebounds um, that I think is big, kind of just getting second chance opportunities for this team. So I really liked what he did. Um, I think he, you know, I think we might've, you know, texted about it a little bit, but I think he definitely showed that he could possibly get some more minutes and, and be kind of a, key guy coming off that bench um, if he can kind of keep this going. So I'm happy for him and happy to kind of see him being able to contribute in that way. With contributing off the bench in the NBA, you've had to adjust your role where you go away from the starting lineup and it's harder to get into, you know, the flow of a game. Is there anything that has helped you stay ready for whenever, you know, a coach does call on you to make a play? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's funny. I was actually just talking um, with one of my teammates last night at our game. Um, and it's funny because there is so much of a different feel to a game when you're starting as opposed to when you're coming off the bench. Even if you're playing the same amount of minutes, it's just a totally different feel to the game. Um, I think for me personally, it's just a matter of, you know, it, it's very cliche and at times annoying, um, but – the whole thought of just staying ready and being ready whenever your number is called. Um, for me, it's, it's whatever minutes, whatever time I get called into the game. Okay. That's my, you know, that's my NBA finals, right? Like that's the time that I get to go out there and I get to play. I get to hoop all the work that I do outside of the games. Like this is where I get to go out there and, you know, try to put that into action. Um, and I think, Guys coming off the bench, especially when you look at kind of Dunn's minutes have been kind of up and down throughout the season. I think the Louisville game kind of showed that that's kind of what he's been doing, right? Like he's been putting in extra work 
you know, trying to stay ready for this opportunity. Boom, you throw him out there, you, he hits a couple shots, plays some good defense, and then gets, you know, gets a few more minutes. So I think that's kind of just the best mindset. You know, it sounds cliche, and at times, you know, it's almost impossible, right? Like guys think that, you know, stay ready is, is a word that you can just, like, tell your body, hey, if you've been sitting over there for 20 minutes, like, still be ready. But as best as you possibly can, you have to just be ready for whatever time, whatever minutes coach calls calls on you. And I think I think DeMarco did a good job of that. And then moving away from the Louisville game against Boston College, Carolina has a, a pretty good first half. Boston College goes on a run to cut it to uh, one late with about six minutes left in that game. And then Caleb Love goes on a 5-0 run. He takes a charge. He gets all the momentum back on Carolina's side. When you're watching this Carolina team, would you say that when determining the ceiling, it, it's going to be based off of you know how well Caleb Love plays? And maybe that's why Carolina can't move away from you know him being such a focal point in their offensive strategy? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he's you know, in my mind, it's still him, RJ, and Mondo. Those are the three guys that have to play well for this team to reach, you know, the highest potential that they can possibly reach. And I think even in this game, obviously he was seven for 18, two for 10 from three. Um, but like you said, when the time came for him to make big plays, he made those plays. Um, I think it's more about Caleb playing consistently as opposed to him playing great, if that makes sense. I think if he were to have been seven for, you know, or five for 10, um, you know, and four for seven from three, I think it would have been the exact same than him being seven for 18. Um, because I think the consistency is is kind of the, the winning part of, when North Carolina is really at their best. Um, but like you said, you have to give them credit to continue to play, continue to make plays down the stretch on both ends, obviously. Um, and so hopefully he can kind of keep that, that stretch towards the end of the game and kind of keep the momentum for his individual game going forward. As a basketball player, when, when you're struggling to shoot the ball, is there anything that you do personally to try to get yourself out of a slump, whether it's mentally or or something you're actually looking at with like the mechanics of your shot um I I never really have been like a big all right let's go back and look at my mechanics um type thing because I feel like my the mechanics of my shot is is already good if I'm missing shots it's got to be something about balance it's got to be something about um you know am I rushing um that kind of thing. And then at the end of the day, sometimes you just miss shots. Like that's, that's the tough thing about basketball is sometimes they just don't fall. So, um, you know, maybe it's, it's, you know, and I'm sure Caleb's doing it because um, he works, works extremely hard. Maybe it's getting more shots up. Maybe it's, you know, maybe watching some film on how your shots, you know, have been going. Maybe you see that you're not on balance a lot of times, or you're kind of rushing your shot or not holding your follow through, whatever it might be. Um, but I think there's there's definitely a few things that you can do. But I think at the end of the day, when you kind of start going through a shooting slump, you have to get to the point where you're able to kind of free your mind of, okay, I know the past five games or whatever, I haven't been able to shoot very well, but I really think this next shot's going in and I'm going to shoot it with the same confidence as if I made the last 10 in a row. Um, and so 
it's easier said than done, but at some point I think Caleb Love will kind of get to that point and we'll see him kind of take that, you know, step. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this guy's shooting lights out. Yeah. That confidence that certain like basketball players have when it comes to their shot, is just something that I think a lot of people, you know, take for granted or, or don't really think about that much. I, I know sometimes I'm at the Y I miss two shots. I, I don't pass me the ball because I don't want to shoot. It. Everybody's looking at me like shoot it, shoot it. I'm like, no, you don't, you don't want that, right? Now. Yeah, man, it's it's uh, and we all know we all know Caleb Love has the confidence, right? Yeah. Like he's one of the most confident basketball players in college basketball. Um, so hopefully he doesn't he doesn't get that. That might be like the New York mindset of you, you know, like the okay, I'm struggling a little bit. Let me just go ahead and just back down a little bit. Um, no, I, I fight. I fight. It's just perfect lead into the next question. I find other ways to impact the game. I'm taking charges. I'm playing defense. I'm the I'm the energizer bunny. I, I call myself a poor man's Pat Bev. <laughs> and a poor man's because I'm five foot nine and and really can't compete out there. <laughs> but HD was talking in his post game about something we've talked about that a bit on on our own podcast with finding other ways to impact a game when your shot isn't falling how much does that help with the point that you were just making about you know reestablishing your confidence and maybe shifting your your focus off that you know your outside shot isn't falling yeah I mean it's um finding other ways it honestly it ends up helping your shooting in uh a few different ways so it's you know like you said he, he had a big time charge towards the end of the game um you know whether it's defensively you're getting out and pressuring and maybe you get a steal and get out in transition and you get a dunk or a layup and that's all you really need needed mentally was to see the ball go to the rim maybe it's you go and you hit the offensive glass you get an easy put back and once again you just see the ball go through the rim um or it's just a matter of getting kind of your energy level going, right? Sometimes just kind of getting your energy flowing a little bit more and getting more engaged and locked into the game can kind of lock in even your jump shot whenever you go into your next shot. Um, and so I think that's kind of obviously you, you saw him towards the end of the game kind of make those plays. Um, and it just kind of fuels your body in a sense um, going down to the other end offensively. Um, and you just feel more engaged into the game. So when you go into your next shot, for one, you're not really thinking about the fact that you missed your last couple ones, um, but you're also just, you know, way more locked into the shot that you're going to shoot. So I think him doing those things, and I think even even RJ and whoever else might um, be considered their outside shooters, when shots aren't falling, finding different ways to affect the game, for one, helps the team, but two – it does nothing but help your individual game as well because you're just more engaged into the game. Yeah, we've talked about two-thirds of Carolina's big three and Armando Baycott, Caleb Love. Want to talk about R.J. Davis for a second. Uh, this tweet is from Trevor William Marks. He actually works for Inside Carolina and, and does uh, a great job with uh, film room breakdown. But he said, to say that R.J. Davis has found his shooting stroke would be an understatement after starting the season with a dislocated finger in his shooting hand, he's been lights out for UNC. And then he posted his splits. The first nine games, he was averaging 15.4 points per game, 
uh, on 40% from the field, 26% from three. The last 10 games, R.J. Davis is averaging 17 points per game, 48.7% from the field, 48.1% from three. Where if, if Davis if Davis can keep that up, you know he's looking at first team All ACC honors. Might even start sneaking his way into you know some All American discussions if he's shooting the ball that effectively. What have you kind of seen from Davis? And with that dislocated finger, how much of that do you think could have been playing a role in it with with something that could throw off your shot? Yeah, I mean that's. That's something that if it's especially if it's on your shooting hand, that's going to affect it. Every time you catch a ball, every time you go into a shot or even finish your follow through, there's going to be some sort of discomfort. Um, but I think that the great thing and the reason I love um, the reason I love watching RJ is he's so steady, right? Like there's even in those splits, like the first nine games compared to, you know, the last whatever nine games there's really no change in RJ Davis's game, right? Like he's still the main ball handler. He's still getting the actions run on offense. He's still taking the same shots with the same amount of confidence. Um, there's really no change or uptick in anything that he's doing. He's just found his shooting stroke. And now it just seems like, you know, he's got it going more, but the fact that he hasn't changed the way that he's playing, um, and he's just stayed the course even through those shooting slumps in the very beginning, I think is what's so impressive to me. It's so easy as one of the main guys on a team to feel like you have to force things or, you know, do extra to try to get going. Um, but the fact that he's just kind of stayed the same player, the same way that he's playing. Um, and now has just find a shooting stroke, I think is, is the most impressive thing to me. Carolina is back in action tomorrow, Saturday. It's a home game against NC State, and then they're on the road Tuesday against Syracuse. Both teams are tied with UNC in the ACC standings at 5-3, and three, so it's massive games for postseason implications, especially with the rivalry aspect with NC State and how the Wolfpack have won four straight games, two against a ranked Duke and Miami team. Should be a great one from the Dean Dome. 5 p.m. tip-off. That's it for this week. Appreciate everybody who watches or listens. And as always, Justin, appreciate the time, man. Appreciate you, man.